This is Brampton Library Stories, exploring life beyond the shelves. Join us as we discuss the moments that define your library experience. You won't find these stories in a book. So today we're going to be looking at an interesting aspect of the library that you might not think about, but really keeps us running. The numbers, the data, um, looking at the number of people attending programs, the books that are being checked out. So we'll be speaking with Allison, who crunches the numbers, collects the data, and does all things data manipulation here at Brampton Library. Yeah, and she'll really tell us what it means once we look at those numbers and how those numbers help us make some of the most important decisions that we make here at the library. Mm -hmm. I'm going to just talk up Allison because you, you do such great work. It's really, really cool. So like just we I've overheard you on the phone talking to senior management team about data and numbers and you just own it so well. Like you can take numbers and facts and, and weave a story out of it and pull conclusions out of these masses of numbers. I find it fascinating. I look at that as part of my job, telling a story, because numbers are intimidating for people sometimes. Extremely. So not for everyone, but sometimes. So I look at it as part of my role. What do you see? Like when I look at a spreadsheet, I just see a bunch of numbers and automatically my brain goes like, oh my God, I don't know what to do with this. And like, I know you can sort, I know you can pivot, but like, what do you see when you you look at this massive data? Like what, what are you like? What are your next steps? What's What's your your thought process? What's your first thought? What's your next step? How do you process? So depending on the data that I'm looking at, usually what I'm looking for is a pattern. Mm -hmm. You know, does it match what came before? So if I'm looking at circulation numbers, I know roughly that we do about 4.2 million circulation borrows a year. So borrowing different kinds of items that could be books, that could be eBooks. So I know what those numbers are. So if I'm looking at something and it seems off, then I'm looking for like, does it match the pattern? of what I expect to see. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's easier to put it into a visual method. So I might take the table and put it into a chart with lines or bar graphs or things like that where I can actually... Uh, see a visual representation of the information and sometimes that helps me find the pattern. Interesting. And so you said 4.2 million Mm -hmm. circulation. Mm -hmm. That sounds significant. It is. So does that mean that 4.2 million items or is it just books? No items. It's, uh, it's items. So a lot of books. A mm-hmm. lot of it is. Are books. they physical items or digital? Both. Items? Okay. Okay. Both. Yeah. And they were checked out of the library mm-hmm. by an individual. Yep. Four point two million. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. And that in the time frame was a year. A year. year. Yeah. That was so twenty eighteen. Wow. That's that's, that's a lot. Yeah. And then when you think about it, that's just like the borrowing of items. But then we do so much more on top of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you you know programs and outreaches and also just browsing. Well, that People, too. You, you know being in the space. And not triggering any data, mm-hmm. if you will, other than the fact that they sure. walked in. Which yeah. is one that comes into the branch and sits down and takes a book off the shelf and reads it. We've counted them in our people counter, mm. so we know that a person came into the branch, but if they're not checking out that book, we don't necessarily know that they used it. We may count the book when we put it back on the shelf so that we know roughly 
uh, you know, how many people are using books in the library, but we don't have the same depth of information that of we course. do uh, if someone actually checked it out. So th- this is interesting um, because now we're talking about, n- you know, the different types of numbers that we measure. We measure people coming into the branches. We measure, and I didn't even know this, um, books that are out and about floating on a table or that have been taken off the shelf and put back. Yep. So during our typical week, we will count all of the books that are just lying about on tables or maybe someone's taken it off the shelf and then, you know, wedged it in in a different Mm -hmm. spot. So we'll count to see, you know, what's the usage that's happening in the library. Because sometimes, you know, kids will take a stack of books, they'll sit in a corner, they'll read them, but they're Mm -hmm. not checking them out. Mm -hmm. So so we'll count those during our typical week to see what kind of activities happening in the branch and i think people might be curious to just know that as a user of our spaces so what are some if if you don't mind sort of listing off like things that people wouldn't know we're we're counting them coming into physically coming in i think people would probably understand that we count the number of people coming in because that happens everywhere Everywhere, you go Mm -hmm. every store that you go into they've counted you in some way question how do we do that because when i enter our branches i don't see somebody standing there with a counter how are we counting? Um, it's a, a little uh, camera um, right up above that just says, hey, a body came through It's here. a sensor, essentially. Yep, a sensor, yeah. oh. and that's all it knows. It knows that a body came through the door. Mm-hmm. There's no, no other kind mm-hmm. of... Yeah, there's no other detail. It's just something interrupted the sensor, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and hey... A body came through the door. Fascinating. I didn't know this. And then we probably, oh, I know, we keep track of uh, connections, right? So people have gone onto our Wi-Fi, I imagine. Yeah, we keep track of the Wi-Fi. So um, number of times our Wi-Fi is accessed, number yep. of times our computers are used, mm-hmm. uh, number of, obviously, the number of people that come to programs. Yes. That's a big one for us because, of course, we want to make sure that we have enough materials uh, and also that we know. Uh, whether or not a program is is super popular or not. So we want to keep going with it. So you've got your typical week data, which I would love for you to kind of explain what that looks like. But then I would imagine we also have data that's a little more high level and that would inform, you know, what managers do and how managers operate at their branches. And then you've got a a third level of how the senior management team might operate the system as a whole. So can we kind of look at those... Layers. Sure, absolutely. Uh, so obviously one of the biggest things that we do is we have this huge collection of books and, you know, audiovisual material, mm-hmm. DVDs, uh, ebooks, e-databases, things like that. That's a huge part of what we do. And so every time it gets used... Um, it gets recorded as a use. And so our collections manager will look and our collections team will look through all the data to see what are our most popular authors? What are our most popular books? Yeah. What are our most well-used databases and things like that? Because that helps us decide where we put our money next year. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. You know. Mm-hmm. So if all of a sudden no one read any more fiction, that would be a big change in the pattern. And I think this is important for people to know too, because often people um, don't have a sense of what's informing our decisions, right? Mm-hmm. So why don't you have more of this? Or why can't you do this and not that? Or why do you have so much of this? And it really is informed by use, right? That's our it, number one. It really is. Yeah. We have a limited budget. And so we have to decide how are we going to support our community in the best way that we can? And the needs that they're indicating Mm -hmm, through mm -hmm. their usage. Absolutely. That makes sense. Yep. 
So what is the what is the typical, uh, you said a typical week? A typical is, week, yeah. So this is us taking a look at what happens in the branches. So for the typical week, we look at how many books and DVDs and other items get borrowed. We also look at how many times people come to the desk and talk to our staff. We take a look at the questions that people ask so that we understand uh, whether or not we have the right information that our staff is uh, has the information that they can answer mm-hmm. questions for the customers. So that helps us to understand, you know, do we need to do more training in certain areas? Uh, if people are asking for something that's new that we haven't had before, maybe we need to look into either buying it or mm-hmm. understanding what it's about or, you know, just looking into the resources that are available in that particular area. So if during a typical week, everybody came and asked for, you know, books on nursing, yeah. right? That would be something where, in, in fact, we have a lot of resources on nursing. So we're able to show people all of the different resources that we have, all the test resources that we have for things like the NCLEX for, um, for all of the nursing uh, studies. Mm-hmm. Um, but if someone asked for something that we didn't know, then the typical week gives us a look into this is new. Yeah. How? Do, what resources do we have on this? Let's look at that. What do we need to take into account? So, so how do you track a question? So we, in fact, have a paper form uh, for the typical week, and we ask staff to either record with a tick. Hey, someone came and asked me about printing. Yep, that, that gets a tick. Uh, or if it's a more complicated question, like, you know, can you please tell me what resources you have so that I can, you know, write a resume or a cover letter? That might be a longer conversation. And so we'll ask the staff member to write out uh, you know, was asked about resources for cover letters and resumes and things like that. And so we that track, we do, we, do we track time as well? Mm. We do track time. So we ask staff to try and keep an eye on how much time is yeah. spent on the question. So if it's a very complicated question, it might be that they spend 10 or 20 minutes right. with a customer. Sometimes for people, printing is challenging. And if they've got uh, an old document that needs printing, sometimes it prints weird, you mm-hmm. know, it gets cut off things mm-hmm. like that. So a staff member might say, oh, I spent 10 minutes helping someone, you know, sort out their printing needs. Mm-hmm. Or I spent, you know, 20 minutes going through all of our resources for someone that was uh, about to write the MCAT, yeah. you know, things so like that. This is what gets me really um, excited about the way we're collecting this data is that we're not just relying on one source or one method of collecting the data. Mm-hmm. We've got devices. We've it's got multifaceted. Sort of like computer counter. Um, we're relying on that on sort of a daily basis. And then we've got real staff input too to reflect the qualitative data a bit mm-hmm. too. So I think it's it's important because it means that we're trying to get as, as big of a picture, as a well-rounded picture as we can, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's important. And I find it so interesting because over the past couple of years, something that's really been kind of coming to the fore um, in business, uh, retail, is customer relationship management. Mm-hmm. And you think, you know, I think a lot of people look at the library as it's a free service. Um, it's a space where you go, you read, you take out books. But 
by collecting all this data and analyzing it and even, you know, going as granular as what questions are we getting asked? This informs our customer service. Absolutely. And so customer service at the library is truly, it's a really a priority. Yeah. And it and it's it's really interesting because it sounds like Every, this is your job, Allison. How can we serve customers better mm-hmm. based on what's going on in real time at the branches? Yeah. That's what we do. I mean, we are here to serve the community of Brampton. So all of the data that we collect, and Alana knows that I love to say the word triangulate. <laughs> Which gets me every time. <laughs> uh, where we use, exactly as you said, Eva, we use all the different sources of data to try and figure out what the trends are. What yeah. are our customers looking for? How can we help them best? Do we have the right training and development for staff? Do we have the right books on the shelves? Do we have the right e-resources? Uh, all of those sorts of things. And it's all about maximizing what we can offer with our budget. Right. And it's so it's it's a it's a very uh, it gives me a lot of confidence because it makes me remember that we're never complacent and we're not just relying on the fact that people like to come to the library mm-hmm. as a way to stay afloat. Like we're actively trying to, you know, improve service resources constantly. And this is very exciting for me. Yes, that's exactly right. And so when you're saying you're looking at trends, of course, and you're trying to find patterns all the time, um, are there any interesting, remarkable, strange patterns you've seen? Uh, So cool, exciting stat that you like or, you know. (laughs) Uh, it's always fun to look at the most popular authors and books in the library course, because yeah. those things change over time. Um, sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. Uh, for kids, one of our most popular series is Geronimo Stilton. Oh, yeah. Kids it's a are big one. Always I was going to say Captain Underpants. Bo- well, that's one of yeah. them, too. Dark yeah. Diaries, Diary yeah, of a yeah, Wimpy yeah, Kid. Yeah. Uh, so those are some of the most popular series for kids. Wait, wait, wait. Let's do it. Let's do a trivia. You give us the category. We try to guess. Oh, this is fun. Yeah. Okay. All right, most popular adult fiction author. Danielle Steele. She's number two. Okay. I was going to say John Grisham. Uh, he's a little bit further down the list. Ah, popular. Mm-hmm. Starts with a J. First name J, last name starts with a P. Oh, Patterson. Yeah. Uh, he has a huge, huge collection and he is very, very well liked by our customers. Nice. That's mm-hmm. actually not that surprising. Now that you say it, that's not that surprising. All right. Here's another one. What do you think the most popular nonfiction category is? Category. Biography? Mm. No. Mm. Oh. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, well, I don't know what to call the category. Wow, my librarian brain just froze. Um, Describe like it. Seven healthy habits. Seven habits. Self help. Oh. Self help. Yeah. Kind of so all that falls into is the sort of healthy living and or the psychology categories, and those are super popular. So things like the Four Hour Body right. by Tim yeah, Ferriss yeah, 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 yeah. is very popular. Um, Fifteen minute home workout. We're all about. Oh. You know, oh. Yeah. Sell me. I'm here. This I'm is listening. What I find hilarious <laughs> yeah, exactly. because I I have uh, I won't say who, but I have a beloved family member who is obsessed with reading about workouts 
There you go. Never one to do the workout, <laughs> but is fully informed on the, the the facts and theory behind the workout. If you read it, you've done it. Well, this right. is it. There's, Moses, there's something virtuous about reading it. You know, it just it's the experience. <laughs> I'm sure we've got a book on how you know reading it translates into action. I right? wish. Yeah. Uh, also, very popular are things like our finance and investing books. Yes, so the wealthy barber, how to make money in Canadian real estate, how to maximize your RSPs. So. Yeah. So people are really trying yeah. to be, like better, better themselves. themselves. Exactly. Exactly. That's exciting. Do you know? Our, do you know off the top of your head what our what a pop what our most popular periodical might be? Uh, you know, I don't have that at the top mm-hmm. of my because uh, I always wonder because I I think it's we have such a broad offering and I don't know we do. I mean, in branches certainly our newspapers in branches are well used, and so you know obviously we've got the Toronto Star yep. and the Toronto Sun and we've got the Globe and Mail, and so things like those get yeah. very very well used. Oh, you can tell from yeah. the state of them at the end mm-hmm. of the day. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Well, and I think the the moral of this story is it's numbers, you know, but the numbers are actually, they paint a picture of behavior. Mm -hmm. So data isn't just math, it's psychology, it's sociology. It's it's so interesting. And what Allison does that I love is she'll give you the data and then she will really bring it home for you so you can understand what this means for that branch or what it means for those customers. So it's not just, you know, this is the most popular book or this is the most popular space in your library, but also, and what we can tell by this is Mm -hmm. the behavior, right? Yeah, and we have our branches, we have seven branches now, and they're all different. Yeah. You would think it's the library, it's all the same, right? No, they're all different. So what are some key differences? Well, in our Gourmetto's branch, uh, we see a lot more nonfiction usage. So things like our computer, books are extremely well used at the Gourmetto's branch. Huh. Our Four Corners branch uh, is more into fiction. Yes. So there's a lot more fiction circulation there. You don't try to fight it. And as you say, you don't try to make the library the same across the board. No, we're not, no. you know, this retail place that we're trying to be consistent in each branch. We're really trying to cater to the audience or the customers in, in, in and around the branch, right? And our customers will tell us. So that's, you know, we look at the information and we see, okay, this section got really well used people there was demand there were a lot of things um on hold we need more in this area for our customers and we get that because people check the books out and so then we have this um you know mass of data showing us that oh hey the finance books are really popular maybe Mm -hmm. we need to you know we need to make sure that we're up on the latest in the finance section it's interesting because i think it's this it's this balancing act because from a marketing perspective you want customers to be able to walk into any one of our branches and and have the same experience. Mm. So you walk in and visually, um, you know, physically, that you are in a Brampton Library branch and have that kind of recognition. But at the same time, you want to kind of personalize the offerings for the customers in that neighborhood because we're system wide, but we're also neighborhood. And I think that's how we, you know, we obviously we have books in every branch. Sure. You will find books. You will find nonfiction books. You will find fiction books. You will find DVDs in every branch. Yeah. But the scale or the scope or the individual titles might vary a little bit between branches. However, we have a floating collection. This you can is it. go into any branch and you can order a book that might live at another branch most of the time, but you can get it brought to your And branch. I think, and in reverse as well, the floating collection means that unlike other library systems, 
in some cases, that don't have a floating collection, when a customer returns an item that, let's say, they borrowed it from Springdale and they mm-hmm. return it to Chincuzzi, mm-hmm. it will now remain at Chincuzzi mm-hmm. until the next customer picks it up. So it does not get sent back to the sort of home branch it came from, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting. I don't know if it, if it actually gives us much in terms of what people are borrowing and where they're returning it, but it's interesting because it's like... a. It, Things are getting shuffled around constantly. Well, and you could look and see that at the end of the year, if all the finance book ended up at Chinkuzi, right, right. then maybe that's where they should live. It's interesting, huh. exactly. Because once you borrow it, right, if you put it on hold and it gets delivered to you, well, you'll, you're likely mm-hmm. to return it closer to home. Sure. And that's interesting to me. Yeah. So the programming is interesting too, right? So our top three best attended children's programs... Um, in 2018 were Movers and Shakers, mm-hmm. uh, which is for, you know, sort of the toddler set. Family Story Time, which is zero to five, yeah. and Kids yeah. Discovery Club, which is six to 12. So all the kiddo programs. Yeah. Yep. So those were pretty well attended everywhere that they were offered. But we don't offer all of them at every branch because not every branch has um, uh, all of the little kids. Yeah. So when we're talking about as you're giving us examples of how the data seems to inform what we're doing, mm-hmm. um, and then and then it's a cycle, right? It informs what we're doing, and then we check back in to see well yep. what happened when we reacted this way, and yep. so on. Could you tell us a little more about how the library is using? So we know that the library is collecting our data. We know everywhere we go is pretty much collecting our data at this point, right? But how does the library uh, deal with that data? How do we? What do we really do with it? So we don't, I mean, obviously privacy is a big issue for the library. So we don't collect the same kind of data that, say, the GAP collects. The GAP knows when you come in and what you buy or what you order online. They know all of those sorts of things. We don't have that kind of individual Uh detail at the end of the day. What we have is that our customers... Uh, borrowed these particular books and our customers attended these particular programs. So what we'll do is, in terms of the programming, we'll look at the numbers to see which were the most popular, which Mm -hmm. were the ones that met our target for attendance. Uh, And we'll see, we also do um, outcome surveys where we ask the customers directly, you know, um, did you gain a new skill from this particular program? Do you feel more confident to, you know, interact with your child if you come to our family story time, you might learn a new song or you might learn, uh, you know, a new book to read to your child. So we'll ask things like that and we'll look at all of that information and then we'll decide, okay, what are our programs going to be for next year? This was super popular. Let's keep going. Mm -hmm. Do we need to offer more of them at different branches? Do we need to, you know, if, if one was very popular and now it's less popular to branch, is that because the time is right Mm -hmm. or is that because our demographic has changed? So those are the kind of questions that we ask. I'm just going to say, so the, the difference uh, of, we're sort of, it seems a little more broad strokes in the, we the are patterns we're looking broad for. Strokes, and a little, yeah. not little, definitely less concerned with the individual that information is Absolutely. coming from. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and we just, we also, we don't have the resources of a gigantic retailer. Right. So uh, for us, the focus is on is on the broader strokes, you know, for the community. What's the community interested? Not you specifically necessarily, but what is the community interested in? What are our families interested in? Our families are interested in 
uh, really quality programming that they can attend for free at the library. And sense. so, you know, programs for zero to 12, we have a, a wide variety and they're well attended. And the families, the parents or the guardians of the children have told us they love these programs awesome. and they want and they keep coming back. So mm. our customers can tell us if they want us yeah. to know um, and they can tell us on a comment card. Right. They can send us and ask a question. Opting in. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. they can say, hey, how, you know, I, I'm interested in this book. How come, how come you, you don't have it? And there could be a reason why it might not fit in with our collection. Right. What we need to know is that, you know, if all of a sudden during that typical week, everyone started asking for this one particular thing that we don't yeah. have, that's information that's that flag. is yeah. that is useful. But if one person asks, um, you know, then, then we can respond, here's why we have it or here's why we don't have it. Here's how, you know, here's what we would recommend yeah. for you. Yeah. And I love, you mentioned comment cards. I, I uh, every now and then like to uh, share some comment cards that we get. They're so fun. Mm. They're really fun. So yeah. beyond, love it. beyond yeah. que- you know, questions about specific titles or mm-hmm. beyond questions about our services, Mm -hmm. sometimes people are just keen to share feedback. What do you think motivates people's comments that way? So uh, usually people either want to tell us that we've done something well, like, yay, I came in, I totally found what I needed. The staff member I spoke to was awesome. Thank you. Uh, Or um, they're not happy about something and that's okay too. We we want to know. That's what Um, we're here for. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes for our people that are hardcore studiers, they come, they're, they're studying, they're studying for their exams. Um, depending on what branch they're in and where they're seated, it could be a little noisy. And the noisy. time of day, yeah. It could be a little noisy, you know, when the kids come in. So in that case, we might, um, if they come to the staff member to say that it's noisy, we might be able to help them say, you know, that area over there is going to be the quietest yeah. area. Or, you know, for some of our smaller branches, um, you know, if they're looking for the super quietest space, we might direct them to another location yeah. and say, you know, there's a whole floor, like that second floor, of Chinkuzi, actually, where we are right now. There's a lot of great tables for yes. studying. So it's a good study space. Yeah, it's yeah. Some good study it's, space. It's great that there's a responsive uh, reaction from the library, mm-hmm. so yes. it's not just... Like, not too bad. Yeah. yeah. All of those comment cards get looked at, and yep. if a customer leaves their, you know, their information and with a request or, a, you know, uh, they're, and they're looking for a response, well, the branch manager will get back to them. So. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So I want to talk a little more about, more about you and the, and the work you do and sort of you know, day to day, you're looking at all these numbers and Mm -hmm. it can't always be easy to just, you know, and look and see exactly what's going on. No, not always. Sometimes it's uh, the pattern changes and you don't know why. So you have to ask the questions, you have to figure it out. And that's where sometimes there are gaps in the data. So then, um, you know, you start going to look to see, well, what else might indicate this change in the pattern. So partially what I do is set up systems that are consistent to collect all the data so that we can actually see the pattern when it happens. Um, uh, And then other times people will ask me questions. They'll, you know, the team that uh, creates the programs will say like, how can we, how can we evaluate this? So we'll talk through ways to evaluate what makes the program successful. Uh, And then I get questions that are sort of broader 
broader scope, like, you know, how can we tell uh, when we're at capacity in the library, you know, like things like that, that involve thinking through, you know, what does it mean? What's the definition? What information, what data do we currently collect that goes towards that? Yeah. You know, so sometimes it's a speculative conversation where you have to try and think about uh, what we have and what we would need and what does it mean? And data doesn't exist in a vacuum. There's always a context. There's always a story. Yeah. It's a bit of detective work. It It is detective work. It is for sure. Because you, sometimes you don't know and you think, well, that looks weird. Why is that weird? What's, you know, I was looking the other day and I was thinking that's weird that there's no data for that particular thing. And I have to admit it took me way longer than it should have to realize (laughs) we were closed that day. Oh, (laughs) something so, you know, simple. (laughs) That was a holiday, but there was information. It was for borrowing. And of course we had all of our e-borrowing, right? So we had, there was activity on that day that we were closed because of course our website is always open and our e-books are always available even when the physical branches are closed, but there was no physical number. And I was thinking, what's wrong? And then, (laughs) oh yeah, we were closed. Something must be broken. Oops. No, no, just me. But I can imagine though, there are, are there times when you're looking at the data and it doesn't add up or you're, you're working with data and it's just like, is there anything kind of like frustrating about data in general or? Sure. I find the social media data particularly frustrating. There's Mm -hmm. so many different social media tools and Evan, I talk about this a lot and they all have different metrics and different ways. Is it a like? Is it a... A uh, click? Is it a follow? It's so nebulous. It is. There's very little consistency across the board. It is. Yeah. And you know what, and and again, it's definitions, right? What best tells the story for us? Is it a like that tells the story? Is it a click through that tells the story? So you have to figure out what is most relevant for you. And Evan knows this, but a long time ago, we actually, um, we had a placeholder number for social media that we ended up posting because everyone looked at it and thought, sure, why not? (laughs) Looking looking back, it was another one of these detective moments, but looking back, it's so funny because the number itself was like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Like it wasn't even... That's not obvious. How did we not see this? (laughs) But it was a placeholder number and because like social media is so nebulous, it's like, sure, that could be the right number. It's hard to, because it is hard, you know, unlike when you say X amount of bodies came through the door, you're, you're, fairly easily able to make mm-hmm. sense of that. Yes. You're able mm-hmm. to picture it and to make sense of what that means, the significance, versus when you say X amount of impressions, yeah, you kind of understand that that means that many eyeballs may have seen it on a screen, but mm-hmm. it's hard to bring that to life. Well, and how do you define success? And yes, exactly. how do you translate these th- these metrics for social media into actual results of what yeah. we see happening in the library or what we see happening with our digital collections. Mm-hmm. And, and is there a way that we can kind of translate or kind of bridge this gap? Well, we talk about yes. this a lot. We talk about um, testing different things. You know, if we do a Facebook post uh, for a program, do we get more people? If we do an Instagram post for a program, do we yeah. get more people? We, you know, we're working on trying different different 
different things to see what moves the dial because different customers interact on social media in different ways. And, and, and yeah, and I think, I think part of more. it is because, as we were talking about before, in the retail world, uh, these numbers are going, are, are, are informing a lot of their decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, but the people using those numbers, the companies using those numbers, as we said, tie the identity of the person mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. their behavior and often to their purchase like you know how long it takes them to get through a purchase something mm-hmm. so, so it's more concrete I would is, think well it is but that's where we falter a bit because mm-hmm. we're not collecting people's personal data in mm-hmm. the same way we other other companies might be or could be it's hard for me to know that if Alana engaged with us on Facebook let's say I can't track Alana into the branch mm-hmm. yeah. so I lose track of you so so there are t- there are ways to test it digitally so we're able to follow people and their behavior and their traffic through to our website but again because we're not a retail environment we don't mm-hmm. have a purchase place online yes. yeah. so even when that person logs into our website we lose their data we lose track of them yeah. so we are able to speculate a little bit we're able to make very large mm-hmm. um, conclusions. conclusions but to track specifically we lose them and I guess ultimately that's kind of okay because we we don't want we're not in the business of tracking we, these yeah people, we don't right? we don't want to there's yeah. something to be said about enjoying a service and still um, remaining anonymous because yeah. I don't think mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that happens a whole lot anymore. No, not with your retailers. Mm-mm. If you give them your credit card and your email, you've, yeah. It makes me wonder though if people, and I, I wonder about myself as well as a customer, um, if I, I kind of don't hate it because my shopping experience becomes a little this more This is the thing. This is the thing. There are so many options that it kind of helps me focus in on what's interesting to it's me. A, it's a good point. And so we do get more customers these days asking like, yeah. you know, why like why aren't you sending me the same kind of emails that the gap sends yeah. me with the specific information full so. of suggestions about things totally. I totally read personalized already yeah. read mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. people are often surprised to hear we don't we don't keep track of what they've been reading no where do you see your role and the use of data at the library going in the future well i think it only you know because of what's going on everywhere else um People expect more evidence-based decision-making. You know, you can't just say, a lot of people came, right? Is that cool? Can we can we get more money? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. You, yeah, you can't just do that anymore. Now you have to say, 200 people came, and they used all of these, uh, they used all of this equipment, and these are the things that they learned at this program. Uh, and then, you know, these are the resources that are related to this program that got checked out later, you know, so we saw a spike in the use of the collection. That is evidence-based decision-making. It's not just, hey, a lot of people came. Yeah. It's it's all of those other points of information that help us say, these are the things that we do. This is the impact that we have. These are the outcomes for our customers, for our community. And I think the more people understand that customers, staff, everyone, once they appreciate what it is that is is happening behind the scenes here, Mm -hmm. you're given a lot more confidence to go forward with what it is you're doing and not say, well, why are we doing this? Mm -hmm. Because we know why we're doing this. Yeah. Yeah. We're not just, we're not doing it because we want to do it. We're doing it because you, the customer, want us to do these sorts of things. Yeah. I was going to ask Allison, just as an aside, because I, I feel like you have this magical filter in your brain that just sees <laughs> behavior and pattern and everything. 
Are you able to make sense of things like this in your, you know, if you see someone doing something at a like store or at a, a cafe, like 10 people just yourself, ordered a latte. Do you find yourself Because I, 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 in my mind you do. So I want the answer to be yes. Um, yes, absolutely. If that's what you want the answer to be, that's what it is. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I do, I see patterns. That's, that's yeah. what I see. But yeah. I can also ignore the pattern as it's it's not my responsibility (laughs) you're (laughs) off the clock uh, I I will I will definitely I was just at a conference recently and there was in my mind a pattern to some of the workshops that I went to and I thought hmm if I was the person running this conference I would be looking at this pattern thinking oh okay this is what people are interested in this is what I mean I think yeah I it it does it does crop up. Yeah, it does. there's yeah. no off and switch. There is no off switch, and I have to sometimes say to myself, "This is not the scope creep. Right? <laughs> this, this is not a me problem. This is this is Starbucks problem, <laughs> not my problem. Or you know, this is Old Navy's yes. problem. Figuring out what Alana wants is not my problem. It's Old Navy's. I mean, problem. it's really not hard, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, not not my responsibility <laughs> to tell them how to do their business yeah so. but I, I did I, it was a I see I imagine you in the free world sort of in the yes there <laughs> I am doing your pattern <laughs> yeah. I actually I'm like I, I'm a traffic nerd because I commute right so see? I I'm always looking for patterns <laughs> in the traffic you okay. know and have you and, have you have you found any concrete I well, mean other than rush hour is all the time sure I mean there's that but I have the um like the commute time yep. uh algorithm in my head you know to traffic know light patterns it's a good yeah traffic Traffic light patterns to know like which which is the most efficient way. Yeah, and sadly, it's always the highway. Oh, it's true. disappointing. You don't yeah. get off. You see that exit ramp? Yeah, rookie don't mistake. Do don't get off. Yeah, you will spend longer. You may think you're not spending longer, and maybe that's what it's all about. Yeah, I would say the data supports staying on the highway. Right. You don't need the Waze app for that. You now, should we stay. triangulate the data that the three of us have collected? So it's funny that you should say that. I have triangulated my own commute <laughs> in a couple of different ways. Of course you have. Of course I have. I can't help it. I can't turn it off. I'd be disappointed if you had it. What was the other? What was it, sorry? What was the other Excel word that I that I? Pivot table? No, there was because those are really exciting. They actually are. True story. Yeah. When you discover what you can do with a pivot table, table, oh my god, it makes life so much easier. You feel like a magician. Yeah. You really do. And you can get that on Lynda.com. There we go. Free with your library card. You can figure out how to do it. There was one more coagulate. No, coagulate. No, no, that's not right. No, no, it was a c word. A c word. Concatenate. Concatenate. Oh, Oh. what does that even mean? Yeah, that (laughs) means to merge stuff into cells or several cells. Actually, you can concatenate it and put it together. And sometimes it is magic because sometimes I I found actually this years ago that every time there was some weird spreadsheet problem that I was having, the answer for a long time was always to concatenate something. That's the answer to most things. It it really was. I actually put up a sticky note. The answer is always concatenate. Just like the answer is always stay on the highway. Yes. Well, we're getting some major (laughs) data insights. Yeah. dropped on us right now. Always concatenate and always stay on the highway. And always stay on the highway. One of the things we want to ask all of our guests, uh, do you believe in if you're half, if you're a quarter way into a mm. book and you're not, you're not feeling it? 
Well, so this do? this I think would answer my question now, especially now with ebooks. Yeah. If I don't like it after a couple pages or, you know, maybe a couple chapters I might give it, I'll just stop reading it and return it. Nice. Nice. You know, so I find there's very, like, I wouldn't have gotten to the point where I would regret reading Mm. it anymore. I may have done years ago, but now I'm much more ruthless. You just don't subject yourself to that. I don't, right? There's so much content. Yeah, there's so much available, you know, and I always have a bunch of stuff on hold, you know, with with Cloud Library for, you know, for my eBooks. And if I don't like it, then I'm moving on. If I'm not enjoying it, why am I doing it? This is the thing. This was great, Allison. Thank you for joining us today. That's been fun. Thanks for dropping your your data wisdom on us about... I hope you've learned a lot. Don't get off the highway. <laughs> and always uh, concatenate. Concatenate. There, we, there it is. <laughs> Whatever you want to do, concatenation is probably the answer. Yeah. I like it. Concatenation. <laughs> mm, nice. So we learned so much from our conversation with Allison today. My mind is still reeling. I need a break. And then we'll see you guys again at our next episode. Brampton Library Stories is recorded in the audio recording studio at the Jacuzzi branch of the Brampton Library. To learn more about free access to the recording studio, please visit bramptonlibrary.ca.